this kind of discussion that we're having could essentially inoculate whoever's listening against the romance scam. Introducing The Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mike Carroll and International VP Mark Solomon. Hello, 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 everybody. Wait a minute. This is not Mike Carroll. This is Mark Solomon. Welcome to IFCI Presents The Protectors. And yes, Mike is out on location right now, so I am here going solo, but I'm not. I really have a great group with me uh, here today. We're at National Harbor, Maryland. I love our next guests that are coming to the podcast and and really just an incredible inspirational story here. So, Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guests here today. First, we have Paul Greenwood, CEO and president of Greenwood Law Corporation. And I got to meet Paul a couple of years ago. Um, he is a former prosecutor out of San Diego, and he is just so passionate about this topic we're going to be speaking about today. Secondly, we have Kathy Stokes, uh, the national director and fraud prevention program for AARP. And uh, I got introduced uh, Kathy uh, a number of years ago and. Um, man, she is just as passionate as Paul. And then finally, our third and most important guest is Kate Kleinert. She is an AARP Fraud Watch volunteer, and more importantly, she is a fraud survivor and warrior. She was targeted by a scammer, and she's here uh, to share that story with us. Um, so welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having us, Mark. Thank you. All right. So we're going to start off. Uh, let's see. Let's go with Kathy Stokes. Kathy, I love you. You are so awesome. You are so passionate. Um, tell us a little bit about AARP and Fraud and Watch Network and some of the initiatives that are going on uh, with uh, AARP. Sure, Mark. Um, so AARP has, the big part of AARP is our social mission work. And that's where my team sits. And we have a program called the Fraud Watch Network. It's been around in some way, shape, or form for many years, um, but we rebooted it back in uh, 2019. And we have a great team of folks. And really the goal is to help older consumers understand the risk that fraud represents to their retirement security. Yeah. And you understand that fraud can happen to anybody. It does happen to anybody. But when older adults are victims, they have a lot more to lose um, because of a lifetime of you know wealth accumulation, even if it's a pension or uh, life insurance or social security, all you need is that social security check for a scammer to want to come after you. And they're really good at what they do. So our goal is to get out there and help people understand what these things look like so they don't engage to begin with. Because as we'll hear with Kate, once you're engaged, it's, it's impossible to even understand that it's fraudulent. All right. And Paul, I'm going to turn to you now. It, it sounds like you have a Boston accent. Yeah. Maybe in my area. Tell us a little bit of how you got started in the world of prosecutions and really your passion, uh, financial exploitation cases. Sure. Yeah, it's the old England accent, not the New England <laughs> accent from Boston. Yeah, exactly. So I've been fortunate enough to, to spend um, a career primarily in prosecution uh, in the San Diego District Attorney's Office. And after about three years there, the boss called me in and said, hey, we've got a problem here. We are ignoring a huge escalating crime called 
financial elder abuse. And I said, what is it? He said, well, you, I don't know, but you're about to find out because I've just appointed you as the new head of the new program. They threw you in the deep end of they, the water, right? They sure did. So, for the, Mark, the next 22 years I spent in the courtroom uh, fighting these perpetrators, uh, trying to bring them to justice and hold them accountable. And four years ago, uh, when I left the office, uh, wondering, I really had a burden. I had learned so much in the courtroom that I wanted to share with a right audience. And guess what happened? AARP, with whom I've been a member for 20 years, came calling. And it was just a perfect fit for me and AARP to get together. So now I, I can spend my time through AARP sharing in an outreach, trying to advocate, but also trying to intervene and hopefully helping people like Kate to avoid becoming more victims. Awesome. Thank you. I've uh, listened to Paul so many times. He is uh, he inspired me as a police officer before I retired to really change my view about these cases. And you know, I've always been passionate about them, but I saw them as sometimes challenges or uphill battles. And and you have really flipped that around for so many law enforcement and prosecutors. And you've taught them that this is not a case to shy away from. It's a case to embrace and we have a duty and obligation to protect uh, all our citizens, but most importantly, our seniors. And uh, that turns me over to our star of the morning, uh, Kate. I got to be honest with you, there were not many dry eyes in the room um, as you spoke and you shared your story with us. And, and uh, Kate, just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the story. Uh, where where are you from and uh, what were you doing? And uh, I, I know at some point you retired. And so uh, lead us up to that story before the fraud, what was going on in your life? I've been a widow for 12 years now, married to my very best friend mm. for all that time. Um, since then, I have become a secular Franciscan, which no one knows what the heck that means, but it's an, <laughs> an order in the Catholic Church that St. Francis felt people um, wanted to do more with their faith, but not as much as go into the priesthood or, or what have you. And, and I'm a regional minister for that. Okay. So I've got 723 Franciscans under my care. Wow. I also do volunteer work for a rescue that brings in hospice dogs. And I take them because I learned so much medically when I took care of my husband that it doesn't bother me to give injections or change IVs or change bandages or whatever for the dogs. And the only purpose is for me to love them until their end. And a lot of people can't do that. But um, I look at that as a gift to be yeah. able to give back to do that. So I'm involved in that as well. So. Okay, this tells something, you know, right off the bat about your personality and who you are. And it brings up a good point, Kathy. I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of times people think criminals uh, prey on individuals because of their weaknesses. But when you look at somebody like Kate, they're preying on their strengths. Um, they're attacking this person because they're a good person. Uh, can you share a little bit more about that? You know, criminals are profilers. You know, uh, and, and in Kate's case, in many cases, uh, they can learn a lot from us on what we have on social media. Um, and what they can see about Kate was that she was a caring and loving person who, you know, happened to take care of hospice animals, who was a gardener, and they used that. And, you know, it's a very uh, calculated approach. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think these are random acts. There's a lot that goes into these. Yeah. 
And Paul, a uh, question I have for you is, you know, a lot of law enforcement might get a misconception here that uh, uh, all these fraudsters are overseas. We can't arrest them. We, you know, um, there's no way to solve this case. And you've really, you know, changed that perspective. And really, um, the work that you're doing is, is is incredible. Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. And we all understand the pressures that law enforcement are under. And sometimes, because of those pressures, they're always looking for a shortcut as to why they shouldn't get involved in a particular investigation. And so when somebody like Kate may come along and say, hey, um, you know, I've been scammed through the Internet or whatever, the immediate natural reaction could be, well, I don't have time for this. And besides, the suspect is overseas. So we have tried, and I think we're actually making inroads now into changing the perspective of uh, uh, law enforcement. And we want to make it personal. Uh, sometimes I say to law enforcement, how would you feel if this was your own grandmother or mother who's the person telling you about this? Wouldn't that make you passionate about seeking justice for that person? And because of the technology and because of the sophistication of law enforcement now, Really, there's nowhere in the world that suspects can hide very often. So it takes a, a, a detective with passion, with perseverance and with a purpose to follow the money and to follow their heart. And I think we're seeing now evolving more and more successful prosecutions. But they're not always overseas. Right. You know, as we both know, Mark, they can be in your next state. They could be in your next county. They could be in your in your same town. So you never know where the evidence is going to lead you. I, I, I've had people say, well, you know, we won't be able to find any evidence. Well, you don't know that until you start looking. Right, right. Thank you. And Kate, I think this is a great time for our audience to understand what happened to you. And I know this is probably difficult at times to share, but... Um, you have stepped up, you are a survivor, and you are an advocate, and you are doing some incredible work with the AARP Fraud Watch Network to bring this message uh, out into the public, to law enforcement, to prosecutors. So can you tell us your story? I never thought I would have fallen for something like this. I thought I was way too smart. Um, I had too much savvy. It just wouldn't have happened. But Right when the pandemic was going on and we were all shut down and not spending time with live people anywhere, mm, we were doing yep. visiting on Zoom and whatnot, this man sent me a friend request. And I've turned down so many of them on Facebook. But there was something about him. It was something about the day that I received it. I don't know what. But the the planets were aligned and I hit the accept button. And this man knew the names of my dogs from going on my Facebook account and seeing different things. And whenever he called me, he would say, how's Trixie doing? Oh, is that Elsie barking in the background? So he knew that was getting to my heart yeah. right away. Um, so I, he was so handsome. I just couldn't figure what in the world he would want with me. But he kept sending me messages and asked me finally to download an app called Hangout where we could speak to one another. And it was just, so my husband had been dead for 12 years then. It was so nice to just spend some time with someone who was interested in what happened to my day. You know, what were you up to today? Tell me what's got you upset today or where no one else was listening to that. Yeah. So um, I'm sure he knew that that was something important to me to be able to talk to someone. And he became romantic much more quickly than I did because I couldn't believe he would feel that way about me. But 
he said the most wonderful things. And after a while, it, you know, kind of eroded my defense. And things were going along pretty good until there was an emergency with his daughter. And he asked me to send her a gift card. And I said, well, how is that going to work? How, yeah. you know, and he said, you just go buy the card and you photograph the front and the back and the receipt that you got and she'll be able to take it from there. Well, I, I couldn't imagine here going into a store with the photographs and saying, here, I want to pay for something right, with this, right. you know, but apparently it works uh, other places. So, and to shed some light on on the gift card situation, you were actually he, this this fraudster introduced you to his children, correct? And yes. actually, you actually communicated with them. So, you know, did the sophistication to this story. I've heard a lot of fraud and scams, but to actually bring in multiple players into this, you know, to convince you that this is authentic and real. Absolutely. Yeah. These, yeah. these kids sent me email every day. They were calling me mom, mm. which is something very near and dear to my heart since I, I didn't have children. Um, they just wanted me to be with their dad and be a family, which was a wonderful dream to have. Yeah, You know, there was also a man who was my romantic person's uh, liaison at the UN. The man who was contacting me said he was a surgeon mm. in Iraq and it was on a UN contract. And when things got more romantic with us and he wanted to come to Philadelphia to meet me, he asked me to write a letter to this man at the UN. And I wrote a letter asking for him to come home to be granted some leave. And the man sent back a message to me and said, I really hope you'll invite me to the wedding, you know, which, so I thought all yeah. this was, you know, so real. Yeah. Yeah. And I, listen, um, you know, that's the incredible thing that people don't understand a lot of times, right. About scams and Paul and Kathy helped me out on this, but these are, are professional criminals, you know, if they were probably actors, they would get an Academy award every day for what the work that they do. Why is it that these criminals have this ability to connect with victims? Uh, what do they do in order to make this connection? These criminals have known forever that the key to success is getting somebody into a heightened emotional state. Because when we're there, I mean, think about it. When you've, you know, when you're in love for the first time, can you think logically? No. Right, right. Um, if you get upset or you're angry or you're afraid, you're just in that moment and you can't really break out of it to like, you know, take that step back and go, wait a minute. And as long as they can keep you in that state, they win. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that that is the key to their success because so many people will look at it and go, that would never happen to me. I would never believe that. Well, maybe you wouldn't believe that, but you'll believe something and they'll figure out what you'll believe yeah. and they'll come after you with it. And I know you guys have a term, the ether effect sort of, uh, you know, and right, they, they get that, that objectivity and they get you on the emotional level of things, it seems like, and that's how they're successful. Absolutely. They call yeah. it getting their targets under the ether. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And Paul, um, does that have any bearing when it comes to an investigation or prosecution that, hey, this person voluntarily gave over money or assets? That can often be uh, an obstacle at the very beginning of the investigation where an uninformed police officer could make the mistake of saying, 
Well, there's no crime here because you consented. Kate, you actually transferred uh, the money. You, you bought the gift cards. Nobody was there with a gun at your head forcing right. you to do this. And it's, it's kind of a distraction because we want law enforcement not to focus on the victim's response. We want a, the law enforcement to focus on the fraud aspect. The misrepresentations, the lies, the deception, the way that the suspect groomed Kate into handing over this money. There's no consent there. This is a crime through and through. Yeah. And you brought up a, a term groom, grooming in law enforcement that means so much to me over 26 years in law enforcement. And we would typically use it uh, for words to describe children that are abused and, and usually sexually abused. There's a grooming process. So um, they will take their time and they will slowly introduce more and more things into the scenario until the um, actual abuse occurs. And when you translate that into to fraud, it's very similar. The crimes are different. And I'm not trying to compare sexual abuse here to um, financial or scams, but it's the same concept. The breaking down of the victim and getting them to play on emotions, um, it's the same way. And, and these fraudsters take their time. I had a, I had a case in Connecticut where they, they groomed the victim for four years before any financial transaction took place. So, um, Kate, how long was it from your first interaction with this individual until there was a transfer of any type of money? Tony sent me the friend request the end of August, and I think it was October before he actually asked for the first card to be sent. But if I could make a point, these folks have so much patience and they are willing to be as patient as they have to be. And Americans don't. We want things done yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So this concept of somebody spending this time with you just adds to your comfort zone. Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if he came Tuesday and was gone by Thursday, then, you know. But the months that went by before there was any talk right. of sending cards, it just laid that foundation. Right. And Kate, at some point he offered to come here, uh, the relationship blossomed and, and yes. got stronger. And that w turned out to be part of his, probably his scheme to uh, make you think like, hey, we're finally gonna be together. Mm -hmm. um, you, you shared this morning that you were actually looking at houses yes. uh, to purchase. Yes. And uh, obviously he never showed up. Um, he right. told a story about being at the airport, um, waiting for him all day long for him to show up. And like I said, everybody in the audience, you know, felt that, you know, here you are believing you're in a trusted relationship, mm -hmm. a person that truly cares about you. Between this entire time, how much money did this criminal uh, get from you? It was a total of $39,000. And it was all that I had, you know, $39,000 to someone else might have hurt, but not devastated them. Right. But it took everything that I had. And he, he was just, even the day he was supposed to be coming to visit me, he sent me a picture 
of him at the airport with a suitcase with the planes in the background. And, and he called me and he said, Oh, they're calling my plane, honey. I've got to go. I'll see you tonight. Next time we talk, I'll be right next to you. You know, so I mean, all this was just adding to, you know, my excitement of seeing him. And as I said, I got dressed up, got my hair done and I was ready for this (laughs) and and just sat all night waiting for him to call and he never did. And it's like your your dream come true for, uh, turned into a nightmare really it did. quickly. Yeah. 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 So, Kathy, what are some of the things that our listeners out here uh, on the podcast can take away from this type of romance scam? What are the things that they should be looking for to sort of be a red flag? Well, the traditional romance fraud doesn't typically just happen on the dating apps, the dating websites. Uh, as Kate says, she was on Facebook. Um, People are out there playing words with friends or Scrabble, or they're um, engaging online in their hobby, gardening or or whatever it is, and somebody eventually is going to sidle up to you and, uh, you know, try to charm you into accepting them sort of into your life in a way, and it'll be a slow groom. If somebody immediately, once you've started talking with them, starts to talk about how much they care about you, you know, that's a big sign. Right, that's right. a big sign. Of course, if they ask you to go off of the platform that you've met on, that's another huge sign. Because, for example, I, I know the, the dating apps, not so much about Facebook, I don't know, but like they have algorithms, they have things that can sort of help identify when something like this might be happening. So they don't want to be on that. So, you know, Kate went to Google Hangouts and maybe that's not monitored as much or it's looked at differently. Right. And, uh, you know, and then the request for money. Yeah. But like Kate said, it could be months, it could be years. And of course, you're not going to believe that it's anything but what they're telling you because you're already in. You're in love with this person, even though you physically haven't met. People say, how could you give money to a stranger? That's no stranger. That's no stranger to that person. So there are red flags. Um, and it's really important to try to pay attention to those and just be aware. Because if you don't engage to begin with, you're going to be so much better off. And data show that if you know about a specific scam, you're 80% less likely to engage with it. Yeah. And if you do engage, you're 40% less likely to lose money or sensitive information. So this kind of discussion that we're having could essentially inoculate whoever's listening against the romance scam. Oh, that's that's what I love. What AARP Fraud Watch Network is doing, what Paul Greenwood is doing, and what Kate is doing by sharing this story and your guys' expertise on this matter that we, we hope somebody's listening to this podcast today that may be in the process of being groomed to, to be defrauded and hears this story and says, hey, wait a minute, this is not right. Sounds just like what Kate was going through. So... We hope that this message gets out today. Paul, we brought up an interesting topic here is in Kate's situation, the criminal took her funds. But we also see cases where the fraudsters will actually send victims of these romance scam money. And uh, it's a concept that we call money mule. Could you explain a little bit how that is that sometimes the victim doesn't lose money, but they're actually tricked into Uh, another scheme where they take stolen money from others and send it somewhere else. You could talk a little bit about that. Sure. The the fraudsters are always looking for another person that can then uh, be a shield almost to uh, uh, finding who the suspects are. So if they can use somebody who can actually be a conduit to pass on money, 
And I think in Kate's case, she was asked to send some money uh, down to another state. And that person who received it could well be what we call a mule. Now, sometimes these mules are unwitting. They, they don't realize that they're involved in a criminal enterprise that can be involved uh, with many people overseas. But sometimes they get greedy and sometimes they, they get excited about becoming part of an operation. And so we've had situations, and in fact, there's one where an 86-year-old lady called Glenda from Missouri recently was placed on five years federal probation for being a money mule. 86 years of age, no prior record, not even a speeding Jeez. ticket for her Buick, you know? I mean, right. she had a clean uh, life, uh, exemplary life, but got sucked into this by uh, buying and selling cell phones on behalf of the suspects. She was warned about it many times by local law enforcement, by adult protective services, but she still kept on doing it because she thought she had a romantic interest. And now she's a, a federal probationer. So there, there's really a warning out there for people who are dabbling in this area and they're being asked to pass on money or gifts to other people. This is a dangerous thing yeah. to be part of. You've got to flee from it immediately because otherwise you could end up in federal court yourself as a defendant. Yeah, that's the worst case scenario where you're actually being charged with a crime. And, and obviously this was a, you know, a situation where she had re repeatedly been warned that this is a crime and not to take other people's money and send it somewhere. So we hope it never gets to that level when it comes to, you know, um, seeing a victim getting in trouble with the law. But you know, the, the, the one thing, too, is, though, what sometimes they'll actually send you some money. We've seen cases where we'll send the victim money to legitimize this flow of money back and forth before they start hitting you up for money. So I know in your case, they didn't do that. So, you know, any transfer of money, even giving money to the fraudster or receiving money might be an indicator that this is not a real relationship and then Kate, as my, my wife brings up to me uh, as well, another indicator I think is not everybody gets along all the time. Everybody has the same interests. Like this, it sounded like this was the perfect person that you could have met and there was everything he was interested in, you were interested in. Yes. But sometimes that if the relationship just seems too perfect and then like you said, that fast moving, it's going from getting to know each other to falling in love very quickly. Yeah, typically that takes a longer period of time. It's usually in, you know, in-person interactions with yes. each other. So um, those are some great tips I think we could give to the audience. Kate, uh, now I don't want you to say the police department's name, but at some point you became aware of this, that you were, you were being targeted for a fraud and you wound up reaching out to law enforcement. What did they say to you? I called my local police department who did not respond to me, and then I needed to work my nerves up again, and I called the state police, but um, I, a woman officer answered the phone, which I was very relieved at because I thought it would be easier to tell a woman my story, and when I got started, she interrupted me and said, why are you calling here? There is no crime here, hun. You willingly gave him that money. So what do you want me to do about it? And I felt like a five-year-old standing there going, but, but, but. And I had nothing more to say. I just, 
hung up because she was not offering any kind of help, didn't give me a phone number to call, or um, I knew I needed to get away from her. She was not going to be of any yeah. help to me at and that, all. I mean, Paul and I are looking at each other right now, and we're shaking our heads like this is just the exact opposite of what we want law enforcement yes. to do. And like I said, it hurts me to hear this, that we still have people viewing this as, well, you gave the money away, it's, it was voluntary, there's no crime. There is a crime. You know, there's investments. People get charged with investment fraud every single day in this country, and they willingly give money to a fraudster. So it's no different when it's a senior or it's a scam. Um, these cases need to be investigated and prosecuted. Paul, how do we get that message across to law enforcement? You know, I know a lot of law enforcement gets it and they understand it. But how do we get that message out to the rest of them? And we're beginning to get that message thanks to AARP, thanks to uh, some national organizations that are holding trainings. There's a wonderful program called EAGLE. It stands for Elder Abuse Guide for Law Enforcement. And we've pushed that out from the National Center on Elder Abuse to various local uh, law enforcement agencies. It's going to take time, Mark, and unfortunately, there's always a turnover of good cops. You know, a cop gets really good at uh, investigating financial crimes. You work with them for two years, and then what happens? They get promoted. And you go, oh, and you have to stole all over again. But that's what part of what it's all about is doing that. But, you know, the one point I also want to make is that some things I found so fascinating with Kate's story is that it involves more than just law enforcement. It involves other people being vigilant. The bank teller that uh, Kate went in to withdraw money from. Maybe the um, the stock market folks who, who, who cashed in her IRA uh, should have been alerted to something that was going on. The gift card places where she went in to purchase the yeah. gift cards. If we could, through ARP and other resources, try to galvanize our local communities into being more vigilant. I think this is the starting point with law enforcement, adult protective services, the community organizations working together. I think we can make a dent into these yeah. crimes. I love that phrase. It takes a village. And in this case, it does to bring about change. Uh, the work that AARP is doing, Paul, what you're doing and your dedication to this this crime is, is incredible. The IFCI, we just uh, put out a... Uh, a stop action video for store clerks to educate them. So uh, we're getting that out to the retail industry. Terrific. So, um, you know, so they could start asking questions of their customers when they come in and we might be able to stop it uh, before it happens. And, you know, there's a, a chief of police back in Connecticut that I love. And he always said that, listen, I can't stop 100% of the crimes that occur. But he says I could stop 100% of the crimes that don't occur. <laughs> and boy, um, that just that hit me. And I'm, you know, uh, I know Kathy's living that life with the AARP and the mission to do that. So we're here. Uh, Kathy, how many Fraud Watch volunteers have you brought to the conference this year? Upwards of 50, I think, Mark, so, from all over the country. It, it's so awesome. We had a get-together last night, and we were able to connect the IFCI chapter presidents um, with uh, Fraud Watch uh, Network volunteers. And this is what it is. It's a battle in every community to get out there, a ground battle, to spread the word, to spread it on the local level, the national level. And that's why I love the relationship that IFCI has with AARP and, and Kathy and your folks. So... Uh, we thank you being here. I want to go to the, the story here, uh, back to the story for a second, uh, mm -hmm. Kate. Obviously, this person was never arrested. Is no. that correct? Right. Never identified? No. Okay. 
And uh, after losing more than $30,000, something else happened. Can you tell us what, what happened after that? Well, because I've been living very um, dry financially for so long, this summer when the weather turned warm, I turned on my central air and it wasn't working, but I had no money to call mm. a repairman because I didn't know if it was going to be a $10 fix or a $10,000 fix. I, but I couldn't afford to have somebody come and not have at least something to be able to pay for his call. Um, I used a portable air conditioner, and it had been so hot for so long, and I had this thing running around the clock. Um, On July 16th, my house burnt down, and I lost everything, everything, including the dogs, the hospice dogs that I had. Um, It's been devastating, but it just goes on. Something I haven't told you is this morning, literally this morning, my financial guy called me to say, because two years ago, I had taken so much money out of my retirement fund that this year I now owe $4,000 in taxes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's a penalty of taking that money out. So it doesn't end the day you make the last gift card to someone. You know, the, the, the repercussions just go on and on. So my house has burnt down. I'm living in a long-term hotel right now, and um, it's been tough. It's been a tough time. Okay. Like I said, we are going to make sure uh, there is a GoFundMe page out there. It is going to go on thank our you. show notes for the podcast, oh, and I ask every you. one of our listeners to step up. Let's help Kate out, uh, get back on her feet. And, and like I said, she's back on her feet, believe it or not, because <laughs> she's a survivor, and she's out here telling her story, and she's educating the public. But I beg our listeners to help Kate out uh, because she is just an incredible person and she was targeted because of her incredible goodness and and we need to, we need to right this situation. And you know, Mark, I want to jump in here and say, I hope that some judges out there hear Kate's story because one of the things that, that we want to impress on courts at the time of sentencing, when we do catch some of these guys, and we do, um, is that this is a violent crime. So often courts treat financial cases as being, well, it's nonviolent, you know, they didn't stab anybody. But look at what it's done to Kate, the ripple effects, the emotional effects, the the life adjustment effects. In somebody who's not as strong as Kate, it it could have been so devastating, uh, even to the point of people ending their lives. That's what we've got to get across to courts. As we prosecute these cases, financial fraud of this type is a violent crime. If I may add something here, something we haven't discussed is people in the older generation here don't have as much time left to them to make up that financial loss. I can't work overtime and bring in more money. I'm not working now. So I have no way to gain that back again. I tried very hard to get a job, but who wants to hire me at this age? You know, it's it's been impossible. I'd take in a heartbeat. Hey. If, I had, if, I, if I had a company, I'd hire you right on the spot. Let me and tell I you. would work hard for you, too, Mark. <laughs> but, but no, it, you're right. You, you bring out a point, yeah. and Kathy brought it up on stage this morning. Is that, listen, uh, 20 or 30-year-old or whatever, you go back and you lose $140,000, you could go and overtime, work that money back, work some extra jobs right. or do whatever. Right. But for a senior, it's life-altering. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. We did an episode uh, earlier on uh, on uh, the Protectors podcast where we heard from a detective who invested a case and the victim committed suicide. And, and 
like I said, it is happening far too many times and it shouldn't be happening at all and justice should be served. Kathy, I want to ask you, how can people reach out to AARP Fraud Watch Network if they think they're being scammed, they're not sure, they have a feeling? What services do you guys provide to uh, help them and get them, if they are a victim, to the right resources and where they need to go? Yeah, so part of the work we do is prevention, right? Helping people understand how to spot and avoid. But the other part of what we do is victim support. Yeah, uh, We have a phone number. It's a helpline. It's 877-908-3360. It's a helpline, not a hotline. So it's not 24-7. Wait but... a minute. Erica Michalowski, when she was on the show, had to sing it. Can you sing it for us? <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I forgot the ditty. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that All for right, you today, anyway, Mark. Fine. I tried. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, you don't have to be a member of AARP. You don't have to be of a certain age. Call the number if you've seen a scam but haven't engaged with it, but you want to report it. Our data go into the federal government. If you get that publisher's clearinghouse mailing and you're not sure it's legitimate, Call 877-908-3361. I heard a little and, song in there. <laughs> <laughs> and talk with, uh, we have trained fraud specialists that can tell you whether or not that's legit. And guess what? It's probably not. And if you've experienced fraud or somebody in your life is going through a victim experience and, and they don't know or you can't get through to them, call that number. We can help. We also have a victim support program that we piloted about a year ago, and we've extended it. If you've experienced fraud, you know, Kate, you know the emotional impact can be devastating. A lot of people don't understand that, but we created a program where you can go online on a Zoom session, and you have a, a trained facilitator talking to a small group of people who have all experienced fraud, and it helps you to sort of integrate the experience so that you can move on. Yeah. You know, it, it's something that people can get sort of stuck there, yeah. right? And and a whole lot of bad things happen when you get stuck in a bad mm -hmm. situation like that. But it, it's intended to help you sort of move forward. And you can learn more about that at aarp.org slash fraud support. Awesome. And we'll get that on the show notes as, as well. So uh, great message and great information out there. And, and Kate, you actually, your first step in, in recovering from this was reporting it. The law enforcement didn't step up and did what they should have done. Right. But you wound up reaching up to AARP Fraud Watch Network, and that's how things started to change, right? Absolutely. And that was the first kind person I ran into. And he was very supportive and said, absolutely, this is a crime, and gave me some resources to follow up on. And the thing that impacted me the most was he said, that hammer you have in your hand that you're hitting yourself over the head with, it's time to put it down. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that has stayed with me. I want to do that in cross stitch or something and <laughs> hang it up because that has helped me tremendously. And the thing that's important here to understand is in your situation, you know, law enforcement didn't do the right thing. They didn't take that report. They didn't investigate. But, you know, there's a lot of great law enforcement agencies, investigators that are doing the right thing. So if you are uh, think you're a victim uh, or you've identified you're a victim, in addition to reaching out to AARP Fraud Watch Network, make sure you reach out to law enforcement, get that investigation going, because the sooner we can work on it, the better chances we have of success. And I know uh, your case is not over. Because uh, I've gotten Paul out of retirement as a prosecutor. <laughs> He's going to come in as a special prosecutor oh. on this case. 
and we're going to engage law enforcement in your home state, and we are going to try oh and gosh. do what we can to identify wow. this person. Wow. And I hope we could come back in the podcast and talk about either one day that he's under arrest or in prison. So That would be yeah, a good follow-up <laughs> to this, wouldn't yes. it? <laughs> um, Kathy, where can people go to learn more about the frauds that are out there and what AARP uh, is doing about it? We have a great resource at aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. All right. And you can get, uh, there's tip sheets on about 80 different frauds that are happening right now. And we have a dedicated journalist who's writing about fraud on at least a weekly basis. So, and you can also sign up for biweekly alerts to keep you sort of in the know on the latest scams. We have a scam tracking map where you can go and see what's happening in your community down to your zip code or report yourself on that as well. All excellent information and resources. So thanks for providing that. And uh, it'll be in our show notes. And uh, folks, listen, I could talk to you for five hours, but I know you probably need to go home at some point. But thank you all for sharing your message here. This is just, it was such a moving presentation this morning. Thank you. It touched everybody. The message is, is clear that we need to work together as law enforcement prosecutors, community agencies, AARP Fraud Watch Network, you know, uh, Adult Protective Services, and we need to start doing everything we can to combat this fraud and supporting our victims when they are victimized. Yes, losing the money was devastating, but you need to grieve for the loss of the love. Yeah, you're right. Well said. Mm. All right, folks. Well, I hope uh, everybody chips in here and helps out Kate recover. Get on the Fraud Watch uh, Network website. Uh, and like I said, there's some great information. You don't have to be a volunteer. It's open for anybody and really it gives you an eye-opener, the type of frauds that are going on. So thank you all. God bless you. Thank you. I can't wait to have you back on a future episode. Thank you so thank much. You, all, right. all right, folks, we're signing off here from National Harbor, Maryland. And uh, we thank you again for listening. If you like the uh, podcast, please make sure you subscribe, sign up. And we'll see you at the next podcast. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.